doing what God wants, doing what God expects, worshiping Him, obeying Him, when you're believing in Jesus Christ, the only Savior, and it happens to them according to what should happen to the wicked, like things going on in your life that seem like consequences for not obeying God, yes, that's the way life is. You don't have to live very long to figure this out. And he says it's a vanity. Now some of you might be tempted to say, wait a minute, I've heard this before in Ecclesiastes. But Solomon's been saying this all along. I think I'm just going to you know, check out and read something on my phone or check the news or, or write in my journal right now. And I would say that would be a big mistake. And the reason why is because God's inerrant, infallible, inspired word that is authoritative and that is binding on our consciences repeats again and again this truth. And if God repeats it, if we would do well to listen up. We would do well to, to listen again. And if you think, or if you're tempted to say, well, Solomon just repeats himself over and over again. He keeps saying, he started this way. You know, vanity of vanities, all of his vanity. And just repeating himself over and over again. You're wrong if you think that, because what he is doing is he is building his case stronger and stronger and stronger. He is building momentum. He is building urgency. It is building expectancy. When he says there is a vanity, what he's saying is, it's like the steam off the cup of coffee. It, it's there and it goes through, it's just gone. There for a moment and gone. Your life is a vapor, as James put it. It's gone in a moment. And what he's saying is that it is brief, it is fleeting, it is momentary. These are the things that happen in life. And he's building his case. His case is building. It is, it is picking up steam. There is vanity that takes place on the earth. There are righteous people and what happens for the deep wicked. And not just that. To add insult to injury, there are wicked people to whom it happens according to the deeds of the righteous. Meaning there are wicked people doing evil things, spurning God, saying, I don't believe the word of God, saying, I am not going to believe in Jesus. I'm going to do whatever I jolly well please. And they are prospering. And everything seems to be going well for them. And it seems that they don't have a problem in the world. And you say, wait a minute, things are reversed. Things are reversed. I mean, how worked up did all of us get? 2020. About justice. About the injustices we saw and storming the gates of social media and, and stomping our feet and and saying a lot of things and, and demanding justice. We always want mercy for ourselves. In light of our sins, we need mercy. We want justice for everyone else. And we look at the evildoers. We point out at other people, right? And you look around. Look inside your own heart. And you think about the, the justice that you deserve. And when you think that things are reversed, just realize, yes, they are. And this should drive you to a sovereign God. This should drive you to surrender, to trust the ways of, to, to obey the word of the only sovereign God. And the reason why is because this is what happens in life. The psalmist points it out, David points it out in Psalm 37. Psalm 37, David 
clearly starts off this way. He says, fret not yourself because of evildoers. Psalm 37.1. Do not be envious of wrongdoers. They will soon fade like the grass and wither like the green earth. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and befriend faithfulness. Delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust in him. He will act. He will bring forth your righteousness as the light and your justice as the new day. Be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. Fret not yourself over the one who prospers in his way, over the man who carries out evil devices. Asaph, another psalmist, said the same thing in Psalm 73. Psalm 73, it begins, Truly, God is good to Israel, to those who are pure in heart. But, as for me, my feet had almost stumbled, my steps had nearly slipped. I was envious of the arrogant when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. And he outlines it, he goes on, he says, it just, it just, justice seems to be reversed. You and I have a choice. What are you going to do with that? This is the brief nature of life, and it seems at times that justice is reversed. In fact, at times it absolutely is. And at times, your life seems to be ripped to shreds, and you say, I've done all the right things. I played by the rules. I'm putting in the work. I'm not a slacker. And still, you might have a broken marriage or a lost job. You know, job after job after job just vanishes in thin air or relationships just seem to crumble. And you can say, wait a minute, I've done all the right things. God owes me to bless me. And you're telling yourself untruths. You need to be driven to trust God's sovereignty. Trust in the only sovereign God. And you say, but wait, life is a puzzle. It sure is. Winston Churchill said in 1939, speaking of Russia during the Cold War, that they are basically a riddle wrapped in a, in a mystery inside an enigma. A riddle wrapped in a mystery inside an enigma. There's a, there's a roll-up for you. There's, there's, a, there's a burrito for you. There, there's, there's, a, there's a quandary for you. And he was saying, I don't know what they're going to do next. I can't tell you what Russia during the Cold War is going to do next. But you can say, my life is a riddle wrapped up in a mystery inside an enigma. I can't figure it out. You, you can look at the things that are going on in your life and you're like, this isn't making sense. I'm trying to connect the dots and it's not working. Yeah, stop trying to connect all the dots. Where did God tell you that you're supposed to be the connector of all the dots and figure it all out and be the know-it-all? On the other hand, on the daily, you look around and you say, wait, my family members, my friends, my co-workers, my acquaintances, my neighbors, they seem to be doing better than me and I'm, and I'm doing better things than them. I deserve better. All I can tell you is life is not by chance. There's a sovereign God at work. There's a sovereign God who is providentially orchestrating 
everything. You know, a lot of people, I found myself judging a lot of people this, this last few weeks, and the reason why is because a lot of people are saying, good riddance to 2020. And I'm like, whoa, whoa, time out for a minute. What's so wrong with 2020? <laughs> oh, it was the worst year of my life. You know what? God did some of the best things I've ever seen him do in 2020, saving and sanctifying as he wills. Painful, yes. Startling, of course. Lots of unknowns, yes. Life, vapor, brief, momentary. 2020 was not by chance in your life. And by the way, 2021 is not an escape from 2020. A lot of people are like, oh, I just turned the page. You just go, well, yeah, turn one page. It's going to change everything. Really? Like, who made you the arbiter of one page in your moleskin, or one page in your day planner, or one page in your week at a glance, turning over, and you're using a one instead of a zero at the end of the sentence, and now you're like, whoo, it's all behind me. Nobody follows you. You're still, you're still confused. Life's a puzzle. You know, when you do a puzzle and you spent 58 hours on that puzzle and you've got a couple pieces that are missing and you're like, oh, this is driving me crazy. And then that one person walks in the door who had stuck that puzzle piece in their back pocket. Well, like, oh, here, oh, this goes right here. You're like, I'm gonna punch you. Don't do that. I've been working on this puzzle. Well, some of you have been working on the puzzle of your life for so long, you've driven yourself and everyone around you crazy. And you need to trust the sovereign God with your life. Move on with me to verse 15. It's so good that God's ways are untraceable because first it drives you to God's sovereignty. Secondly, it drives you to God's sufficiency. That God is enough. That God is sufficient. That God is good. Look at verse 15. He says, I commend joy. Whoa, wait a minute. Right after he says, hey, by the way, sometimes if you're righteous, things are going to work out where it seems like you're wicked. Everyone's going to go, well, they must have deserved that. Sometimes when you're wicked, you might just have, you know, smooth sailing. And everyone's like, oh, that person, they must be just right with God. And then he says, in the very next breath, I commend joy, literally. I celebrate joy. I'm excited about joy. I'm rejoicing in joy. That's how, that's how that's worded. And then he says, and, and nothing better for you to do under the sun in this life, this brief life, is to eat, drink, and be joyful, for this will go with you in your toil through the days of your life that God has given you under the sun. And I want you to know, this isn't like, yeah, I'm going to ignore all the stuff I see and all the reversal of justice or the reversal of how I think things should go in the world, and I'm just going to you know, eat, drink, and be merry because tomorrow I die. I'm just going to ignore it all. That's not what this is saying. Look with me again at that verse. I'm commending joy. The man has nothing better than the son to eat and drink and be joyful. This is the person who is acknowledging God. This is the person who is believing in the Lord Jesus Christ, the only Savior. This is the person that is seeing life as a gift from God. You notice it says at the end of the verse, all the days of his life that God 
has given him. Life is a gift, a gracious gift from God. And if you're acknowledging God, if you are wanting to worship the one true God, if you want to follow the ways of God, if you want to obey the word of God, you're going to surrender your life to Jesus Christ. That's God's commandment that you would believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and love his people. But if you are doing that, there will be joy accompanying you in the midst of the puzzle, the enigma, the mystery, the riddle of life. It'll be your constant companion. That's how this is worded. It'll be your constant companion. Joy will be your constant companion. That deep, abiding sense of well-being, that God is in control. There's a sovereign God I serve. He knows it all. I can, I can cast my cares upon him because he cares for me. And he is enough. He is sufficient. In Acts 17, I love when Paul was in Athens and he is addressing the Areopagus and he's speaking to a bunch of pagans and he has seen a gravestone, a marker that says to an unknown God and he says, what you worship in ignorance, I'm going to proclaim to you. I'm going to give you a picture of the one true God. And here's what he says in Acts 17, 24. The God who made the world and everything in it, being Lord of heaven and earth, does not live in temples made by man, nor is he served by human hands as though he needed anything. Since he himself gives to mankind life and breath and everything. He goes on to say that God has fixed a day where he will judge the world in righteousness through the, the righteous one, the Lord Jesus Christ. But they need to repent and believe in the Lord Jesus. I love the fact that God is the one who is the giver of life. That our life is not dependent on us. That it doesn't come from us. That it's not sustained by us. This drives you to trust God's sufficiency. In, in Philippians 4, Paul says, I have learned something. And he has rehearsed all the good things of his life and then all the things that had gone wrong, and, and how he had suffered for Christ. And he says, I have learned the secret of being content. And then he, he says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. He says, I can get through it. I'm trusting a sovereign God who is sufficient. He has given me the, the gift of life. And I have joy as a constant companion. You think of your best friend in life that you travel with, that you go together with, that you talk with, that you share things with, that you talk about the highs and the lows and the ups and downs of life, and the peaks and the pits of life. And you encourage one another. And you, and you cheer one another on. And you wrestle with one another through this puzzle, this enigma, this mystery of life. This joy from the Lord will be this constant companion for you. And what that tells me is there is no insignificant person on this planet. Because life is a gift from God. And so every person who is alive is significant in the eyes of God. Some of you are saying, no, I know some people that aren't. Some of you are saying, whoa, um, uh, you don't know my neighbors. 
or you don't know my family, or you don't know the people I run into, you don't know the people that perpetrated certain things. The sovereign God knows it all. The sovereign God who is sufficient, who is adequate, who is enough, who is good, who is great, knows, and knows everyone he has created, and he knows who he will save. There is no insignificant person on earth. And if you're a believer today, you're trusting in the finished work of Christ, your life is not insignificant. He who began a good work in you, Philippians 1.6, he who began a good work in you will be faithful to complete it. And you might look at your life right now and say, but the outlook looks bleak. You might look at your life right now and say, you know what, I'm not seeing the pieces fit together. You are not the puzzle master. You are not the person who is to tie all the loose ends together. Some of you are saying, but my life is not what I planned. If you're getting older and saying, I don't think I've done the things that God wanted me to do or that I should have done, and you're living with regret. This should drive you to trust the sovereign God who is sufficient. Some of you are very young. I love that kids are in the worship service with us all the time. And I, I, you might look at your life and say, I don't even know where it's going. Maybe you're a teenager and you're like, you know what? I don't know what I'm going to do in life. And everyone keeps asking me. Maybe you're you know, in college and you're like, everyone keeps asking me. Maybe you're out of college and people are like, what are you going to do with your life? You can trust the sovereign God who knows. You can trust the God who is sufficient to lead you and guide you and protect you and provide for you in ways that you could never imagine. And if you're a Christian today, you're in the Church of Jesus Christ, and you are in the worldwide universal Church of Jesus Christ, comprised of everyone whom God has chosen to save, but you also must be in a local assembly of believers, of brothers and sisters in Christ, who you get to know, and you do life with, and you trust your life with, and you... You love one another such that the world will look at you and say, wow, there's something about those people who follow Jesus. They're trusting the sovereign God. He is sufficient. There are no lone rangers. You are, you are linked to the body of Christ for kingdom purposes, for gospel reasons. You wake up in the morning and you're like, wow, praise God that I have breath in my lungs. Let's go do some, some kingdom work. It is so good that God's ways are past finding out, that they are unfathomable, that they are untraceable, because it drives you to, to, to surrender to God's sovereign sufficiency. That's what, that's what God is doing. And even in the church, a family bought by blood, known by love, used by God for his, for his glory and your good, let yourself be driven. Some of you are driven to so many things, and, and, and some of us are driven to do this and that in life, and some of you are saying, this is what I'm going to do by this age, and this is what I'm going to do by that age, and I'm driven to do this and that and the other. Let yourself be driven to the only sovereign God. Let yourself be driven to his sufficiency. How should you make 
and you say, if the Lord wills, I'll do this or that. So good. God's ways are past finding out. It drives you to surrender. Trust the ways of God and obey the word of God. Know that God's sovereign and know that God is sufficient. In verses 16 and 17, you basically get driven into a brick wall. You get painted into a corner where there's no way out but up. Look at these verses. Solomon says, I applied my heart to know wisdom and to see the business that's done on earth. How neither day nor night do one's eyes sleep. That might be you. You're working so hard. You're driven so hard. You're working and working and working. In fact, you're keeping yourself awake at night doing it. All for what? He says, I saw then all the work of God. And he says three times in a row, man cannot know. Man cannot know. Man cannot know. And he's building in intensity. He's building in fervor. He's building in expectation that basically you have to look up. You are, you are boxed in. You cannot know all the things you're trying to figure out. You cannot figure out life. But you can trust the sovereign God and who is sufficient. And trust him and obey him. Obey his word. You might be a worker. Do you notice verse 17? Toil and seeking and, and wives. You might be the worker who's working so hard. I'm going to figure this out. But you need to stop and relax and trust God. Be still and know that he is God. Psalm 46, 10. And trust and obey him. You might be the worrier who's seeking and seeking and seeking. And you're just driving everyone crazy around you. Find your rest in Christ alone. You might be the wanderer who wanders off in the midst. You notice at the end of this verse it says even the wise claims to know. He cannot find out. I've been weeping recently over some people I know that once preached the gospel strong, once wrote great lyrics exalting Christ, once we're leading people to Christ. And now they are saying, I don't know. I don't know if God is good. I don't know. I don't know if God is really that great. I don't know. I think we've been reading the Bible wrong for thousands of years. I don't know if I can trust the word of God. I don't know if the Bible is inspired and inerrant and infallible. In fact, someone told me the other day, someone I'm conversing with, someone like I'm explaining, said, there's no room for inerrancy and for a sovereign God because that is very damaging and dangerous on many levels. They're deceived. I hope you haven't become one of the deceived where you're slipping away from your faith because you're moving into the rabbit hole of unbelief. You might be the person who's claiming to know. I, I know someone who's got a notable podcast. I've known them for 30-some years, and they keep trotting people on that are saying, the Bible can't really be trusted, but trust my take on it. I'm here to tell you that this book is your life. You're a follower of Christ. If this book doesn't change, it won't budge, 
that this book is inspired by God, it's been spoken by God. I, I read, I, I listened to someone the other day who said, a book's not going to help you. He's talking about the Bible. No, this book is eternal, this book is perfect, this book is inerrant, this book is infallible, this book will never lead you astray, this book is authoritative, this book is binding on your conscience. You must be driven to surrender to God's sovereign sufficiency. And not just work so hard thinking you're going to figure it all out or worry your way through life or just wander away in the midst. I've seen too many people, even Christian leaders, who have gone down that path. And you see the hardening of their heart little by little by little. It starts with the doubt. And by the way, God can handle your questions. But where does God can handle your questions? But when you start to say, I don't believe what it says, you're in the most dangerous of places. And if you get so wrapped up in trying to figure out the riddle and the enigma, you find yourself in shaky waters. One of my favorite movies is called Life is Beautiful. It's an Italian film. It's probably no surprise to you of me being an Italian. I like an Italian film. I think it was the highest grossing non-English uh, film ever. Uh, I think it was 1987-88. Life is Beautiful. It stars uh, Roberto Benigni. He won an Academy Award as Best Actor for this movie. It's, it's, a, it's a touching and funny and heartwarming and heart-wrenching story about this guy named Guido, who's an Italian Jew, and he comes to Tuscany, Italy, and he is going to work at his uncle's restaurant, and he is a waiter. And he meets Dora, this beautiful school teacher, and they fall in love, and they get married, and they have a little boy. And then the story takes a turn, and they all get taken to a, a, a German concentration camp. And she goes to one, and Guido and their little boy goes to another camp, and he talks his son into believing that this is all a game, and the winner who gets the most points and is the quietest wins a tank at the end. But he meets a guy while he's in the concentration camp that he knew when he was a waiter in Tuscany. And he's a German doctor who had befriended him as a waiter. They would always trade riddles. And this day, he's in this concentration camp. He's been asked to serve food at a dinner. And he sees that he's waiting on this German doctor who is there to to uh, walk to see if the, if the prisoners are okay. And, and he, he, they recognize each other. And the interesting thing is, instead of thinking, wow, Guido, I, I know you and, and I want to help you, he comes up to him and says, I can't sleep. I can't, I can't eat food. I, I can't figure out this riddle. And we're talking a silly riddle, like a, 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 a riddle. And he's like, help me figure it out. He was so wrapped up in his mind, in his life, of thinking about some silly thing that just blows in the wind that he couldn't see the plight of the people that were hurting and even being killed. We don't want to be like that. We don't want to be going down a road where we're going to wander off in the midst because we're not going to believe the word of God and we're not going to believe that God is good or that he is sovereign or that he is sufficient. We need to be the people who stand up and say, oh no, God is sovereign, and God is sufficient, and his word is absolutely true. 
And we're going to base everything we do on this book. What did God say? Isaiah 55, verse 9. My ways are higher than your ways. My thoughts are higher than your thoughts. There's a poem that I've loved for years, since the early 1980s when I first ran into it, and it's called The Weaver. It's written by Grant Colfax Tuller. A lot of people think that Corey Tenbroom, who's buried right down the block here at Fairhaven, they, they think she wrote it, but she quoted it so often that they think she wrote it. But it's written by this other person, and here's how it goes. The Weaver. I think it's a great picture of life and how you, you can see a weaving, the tops and the bottom, and, and the dark threads and all that. Here's what it says. My life has been a weaving between my God and me. I cannot choose the colors he weaveth steadily. Oft time he weaveth sorrow. And I, in foolish pride, forget he sees the upper and I the underside. Not till the loom is silent and the shuttles cease to fly will God unroll the canvas and reveal the reason why. The dark threads are as needful in the weaver's skillful hand as the threads of gold and silver in the pattern he has planned. He knows, he loves, he cares. Nothing this truth can dim. He gives the very best to those who leave the choice to him. If you pull the choice out of God's hands, if you've gone down the rabbit hole of unbelief, Jesus Christ stands waiting for you to turn to him, to repent. God is, is saving and sanctifying as he wills. Charles Spurgeon on December 5th, 1858, said these words, preached these words. Now all that God asks of you, as, and this he gives to you, is that you would simply look at his bleeding, dying son and trust your souls in the hands of him whose name alone can save from death and hell. For every service, we sing, O glory be to Christ. You can be singing, O glory be to Christ today by turning to Christ, turning from your sin and turning to Christ. And if you're a believer in the Lord Jesus, God is sanctifying you. Even if you are saying, you know what, my life is in shambles, I don't know what's going to happen, I, I don't even know if I believe anymore. I'm shaky. I'm on shaky ground. And you said, but I trusted the finished work of Christ on the cross. He died in my place. He's my substitute. I believe him. But I'm slipping away. Remember that verse, Philippians 1.6, that I, that I gave before. He who began a good work in you will be faithful to complete it until the day of Christ. If you're truly saved, God brings you back. He grants you repentance. If you're not saved, you need to believe in Jesus. Because your life, it is like a weaving. Where God is, is using good and bad. He is working all things together for good to those who love him. He is sovereign. He is sufficient. Surrender your life to him. Every moment. I think that would be a good theme for this entire year. 2021 for us as a church. To live surrendered to God's sovereign sufficiency. That we would say, we're not just living under the sun, like Ecclesiastes says. No, we're living under the Son of God. 
S-O land, really under the sovereign Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who is sufficient. My prayer is that you would join me this year surrender, trusting in the ways of and obeying the word of the sovereign, sufficient God Almighty of the universe. Lord, we thank you that you are sovereign, you are sufficient, and your ways are past finding out, and it is so good that your ways are untraceable. It is so good that we are driven to trust you, dependent on you, to know that you are sovereign, you are sufficient, and that we must surrender. Lord, by your grace and bring glory. May we do that now. Glory to Jesus. Amen. Would you stand and join us as we close singing and thank you,
hear the words of Romans 11, verses 33-36. Oh, the depths of the riches and wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments, and how inscrutable his ways. Who has known the mind of the Lord, or who has been his counselor, or who has given a gift to him that he might be repaid? For from him, and through him, and to him are all things. To him be glory forever. And Lord, we praise you, we thank you that your ways are past finding out. Thank you, Lord, that we can trust you, the sovereign God is absolutely sufficient. We pray, Lord, that you would be glorified in us and through us. Use us, Lord, for your purposes. We pray in Jesus' name. Thank you all for uh, struggling with that. We will be broadcasting third service as well. Uh, so come back for that one, and that'll be a real camera, not my phone. So hope you join us then.